Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program, Flame On, is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. I'm Brian. I'm here with everybody, including Oral. Hi. BJ. We've been drinking. Pat. What up? And myself, in case I didn't already say that. So, a little while back, we teased the idea that we might be talking about the Netflix. I want to say HBO for some bizarre reason. I want to say HBO. Because we've got HBO on the brain. We'll talk about that later. Come on. (laughs) True. Uh, The show The Get Down. And uh, I think Oral, you're the one who may have brought it up. Um, no, you brought it up. No, I thought it was Ron. Was it Ron? Well, yeah. okay. So out external to Flame On, we did have Ron bring it up, but we had talked about it prior. Well, Carlos told me we had a conversation with Oral about it one day before a recap, mm-hmm. and then we mentioned it in one of our podcast um, recordings. So, a Ron, this is all thanks to your generous endowment. And I mean that in every way that I know, which is Giggity. money. This is how uh, I know Brian's drunk. Yeah, right? I'm not that drunk. So I've just been playing with loaded dice. Um, but no, we really we really dug the show. I think all of us kind of like picked up on it here and there. You could say we got down with the show? Yes, you could say that. But right. I don't wish you would. I'm going to be a little honest. So when I first watched it, and prior to the the recording of this episode, I thought to myself, it would be cute. And this is a thought I should never have. I was like, it would be cute if I had like sat down and written like some sort of opening rap for the episode. Oh, that would have been cute. I wrote it down. Oh, what? I tried to. And then I realized I will never let this see the light of day. And I burned the note. Wait a minute, though. Was it like the scene in the show where the guy's doing it? And they're like, wait, no, no. Zeke? Do it. Zeke? Zeke, the main time. character? Do it, it was, double time. It no, was, no, 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 not, not that. Not Ra-Ra. Not, 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 not Zeke. Not that was Zeke. Ra-Ra. 
Rara? Zeke yep. is the main character. Yeah, so yeah. It was Rara. It was when no, they were, Rara, yeah. right before they actually went to the DJ battle, where yeah. they were trying and to go like, through the rhymes. He's like fucking it up every time. And they're like, no, no, no. Yeah, that do was Rara. Do a slower Ra-Ra. beat and let him do a double time, and then he fucking nails it. Yeah, that was that was Rara. So and I, I sat down, and I started writing stuff out for everybody, and I was like... Oh, wow. And then I burned the notebook, because I was like, oh, no, this is not a thing I am adept at, or even oh, talented just, at. I, so now... Okay, so this show, which is on Netflix, and you can go watch it right now. You can stream the whole thing. Six episodes, about probably about six and a half, seven hours, somewhere in there. Uh, Boz Lerman produced, but not entirely. Like, yeah, he wrote some of it. He he directed some of it. But I mean, it's it's a Boz Lerman project with many other people. Nas, I believe, was Nas, involved. Yeah. Yep. Grandmaster Flash actually mm-hmm. found out he was involved somewhat. Ed Pisker. From Hip Hop Family Tree, mm-hmm. which if you have not, if you're a comic book fan, you have not checked out Hip Hop Family Tree. Or you love hip hop. Or, or music, you love hip hop. Yeah. It is fantastic. I actually wish I had read that prior. But then again, I also now am like more than likely to get the whole collection because this was actually a lot of new information to me. I knew about Grandmaster Flash. I taught about Grandmaster Flash back in my music education stuff. In my mind, you taught people how to spin and scratch. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But let me tell you, when I when I saw what they were doing with that, which if you haven't seen the show, see, kids, that's how you do it. Back in the day, you know, we call this analog. <laughs> we are gonna. My name is Beatmaster Brian. Oh my god, over oh, the air horn. No, we're going to spoil the show of the show. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to stop, go watch it, come back. But no, that scene where he explains the crayon, mm-hmm. that was transformative because we used to talk about analog tape and how you would use the tape markers to cut up parts and do this sort of music concrete thing. So when they actually that was a whole lesson that they had to learn, that was really interesting and I had never seen that. I never heard that. Yeah. So I mean, this this show is so like it's it's the myth but it's also the history which is you know partly myth of this music genre but also disco and that's what i didn't really appreciate it at first like i thought yep. it was just gonna be a hip-hop no it's disco hip-hop and new york city yeah and it and it, it all takes place in the summer of 1977 which was also the summer of the massive blackout there's a lot of political stuff going on I mean, it the was the Bronx is literally on fire. Yep. Do you guys know about the the blackout? Like the I had known about it from Connections. With no, James my, Burke. My mother lived through the blackout. Did she she really? ex- yeah, she was because she was born and raised in New York. So she she uh, was there during the blackout, and she she told me this one story. Funny enough, during hurricane season, and we had a power failure. And she's like, walk me through like her her youth, which was really cool. Oh, wow. And so like I felt like this was the New York that my mother had lived, but she was a Brooklyn's Queens girl, so oh. she she never lived in the Bronx. Okay, we have family in the Bronx, but she never. Well, lived it's in the so Bronx. funny for many years. Bronx to me was always such a like negative term, and I didn't know why. I had no appreciation for the history of it. Nothing. Just from the South Florida sort of New York transplant community, Bronx was a bad word, and I didn't know why. And now this kind of reveals. Pat, why of that. does the Bronx suck in the connotation? It's really far out there. Nobody goes there. Yeah, I heard they have a lovely zoo. I don't know. I heard that. 
So when my Whatever, sister man. moved we up, we should go to Bronx. Can we go to Bronx here. <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh, <laughs> I was so excited last year. We went to New York City, and I'd never been to Brooklyn. And I was like, we got to go to Brooklyn. There's an event in Brooklyn. This whole thing. And I was like, Brooklyn. And then I get there. I'm like, this is really sh. This is how dare you. This isn't like Will and Grace. I, no, it wasn't. No, but I didn't like. We didn't. I mean, we went to a specific part of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, but it was like I was like, Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn. But Bronx probably going to be a lot like that. Just worse. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, I just watched the um, Show Me a Hero, the HBO show about Yonkers and the projects that they were trying to build in Yonkers. Yonkers. Exactly. <laughs> East Yonkers. And like, I'm fascinated by culture and city planning and the politics of the whole thing. I love that. That's really interesting to me. So this show scratches that itch. Um, uh, here we, here we. Uh, what's his name? Um you kept calling him uh, uh, Edward's all <laughs> the poor Smith. man. The poor Jimmy man's Smith. Edward James yeah, almost. He's totally not J- uh, with, with slightly better skin. Jimmy Smith plays an important role in this miniseries. He he does. He plays Papa Fuerte, who's in a, charge of the community he's center. He's a community developer. He's trying. Papa Legbo. No, no, he's not a voodoo guy. <laughs> he's trying to build. He might as well be. You pay tithes and offerings to him. He makes things happen. It's he true. calls on stronger spirits. Egg you know, Dodge. the Manhattaners and the Manhattanites and Ed Koch. Yeah. I love the way they, they, uh, they portrayed Ed Koch. Oh, my God. It was almost the, how am I doing? I mean, it was really oh, yeah. that. Which, having just not too long ago seen um, Short Bus, yep. where Ed Koch makes a cameo, like that whole thing kind of comes full circle now. Pat, did you get the the somewhat fey sensibilities of Ed Koch? Because I mean, you know, Ed Koch. Yeah, yeah. I was confused when he was doing a speech in the last episode. The guy who played him, I felt, was channeling the comedian that's been doing Trump a lot lately. <laughs> you did say that. Yep. Um, and a cross between him and Jay Leno. <laughs> And in a slightly gay fashion. So, yes, I, I, I mean, it really just it portrayed very interestingly. And according to Outrage, cross a homosexual. But let's mm-hmm. let's oh. back it up because we're not doing a very good job no, about it's shotgun approach right now. Yeah. OK, so the get down is about a group of kids in the late uh, 1970s who have been friends for X amount of years. They um, experienced poverty, uh, violence. Drugs are, you know, very prominent, um, but they have dreams. One of which is he's incredibly smart. He's a poet, um, doesn't really know how to express himself. He lost both parents, lives with his aunt and uncle um, in the projects. And not necessarily the projects, but a high rise, which, you know, is a project because it's the Bronx in 1977. Yep. Um, there uh, is his love interest, the Mylene. Who is this like incredibly like tenacious disco wannabe singer? Boricua, like her amazing singer. You uh, taught him that word, Pat, and I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Pat did not teach me Boricua, but it you know it's, so it's, it's easier to pronounce. It's um her uh the one that plays the love interest. Uh, it's it's almost like it's you have these kind of diverging and intersect intersecting storylines between um. Uh, Ezekiel, Starcrossed, if you Ezekiel will. and Miley, and Miley's played by uh, Herzen F. Garadolia, 
Um, and and the thing similar to Stranger Things, a lot of the a lot of the young actors in this have really done almost nothing. They've just kind of except Will Smith's kid. Well, except Jaden Smith, who was actually one of my favorite characters. He well, I mean, Dizzy plays the gay character of sorts. Well, I mean, or the experiment. He's the free spirit. Free, free spirit. spirit. Teen- he falls in love with Thor. Teenage teenager kind of coming into. You know he's he he does tagging. He no, he is like yeah, he's the uh, Banksy of that era. Yeah, and I mean, the, and him York. and his little brothers, Boo Boo Ra Ra, all of all of them. I love are, Boo Boo Ra Ra. Which, by the way, their father, the jazz sax player, yes, from uh, Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. amazing. I loved him, Mr. Robot. I love him in this. Great. You actually, it's it, usually when I watch dramas like this, I don't like the parents. Yeah, the parents I, I'm, are awesome. I'm not, but all his the parents, parents are awesome. All the, all the parents, you're you're kind of, you kind of get a better idea of the main characters because of how they were raised and who raised them. That's important. But we're we're sidetracking. We're going so all over the place. Both of them have dreams. One unrealized. One, Mylene, she wants to be a, a disco singer, but how can she do that with her strict preacher of a Pentecostal father? We've all been there. The mother who seems to be really quiet and and has this like history about her that we're we're not sure of. Can I just say it was very odd that a Puerto Rican family was Pentecostal to me. Uh, yeah, yes. and it wasn't Thank said you. until like the end. Like there was no, mm-hmm. they didn't really talk about the denomination until. Oh, um, I didn't need to know. I knew. Well, well I didn't. Think- girl, I for me, I'm only been susceptible to two religions. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit more ignorant of how other churches operate, but growing up, uh, in a Puerto Rican household in New York, it was very odd for Pentecostal to be the denomination that it was. So when they, when, uh, Papa Shango, um, I'm just going to keep changing it up. When, when, uh, bad Edward James almost is fighting with, uh, skinny repressed Preacher man. Um, I can never remember names. Uh, and he starts saying about Pentecostal and I was, or, uh, um, and then, you know, drug addict, uh, piano player. They're all talking about him. Like Jose Moreno. Sure. I knew that. Yep. Um, <laughs> it was just so weird. I was like, I, I was almost snapped out of the, the scene and I was like, what, what, who? Pente- Pentecostal? Yeah. All right. I'm surprised by that too, I because mean, let's be honest, the Catholics are the main faith that colonized Puerto Rico. Like, yeah. yeah. And like Hawaii, similarly, the Protestants kind of took that over. And that was, I mean, it was, it was surprising, but at the same time, when I saw, when I saw the episodes with Miley's father, um, who's played by Giancarlo, um, Esposito, who played the magic mirror in once upon a time. He's been in virtually everything. Really? Yes. Yeah, interesting. He's, uh, he's also in the new maze runner movie coming out soon. Oh. Um, and the mother's played by Zambarnia. I've seen Guevara. her before. She's been in everything. Yeah, she's she's in a elementary Gotham. She played the, um, Gotham. commissioner in Gotham. Yep. That's there um, you go. I knew Bernoulis. I recognized her. Uh, I'm so excited for any Spanish speaking listener to sit there and just cringe every well, time. We that's say fine. Say I'm I mean, a white <laughs> man. And when you heard, I heard you say, uh, Giancarlo, I think, is it Giancarlo? I mean, is it G? I don't know. 
that Giancarlo. Right? I feel feel Jean free Carlo. to correct. John, that's what I thought. That's what I would have expected. Anyway, Mister Esposito. There okay. we go. That's we the go. part I can. But pronounce no, I'm properly. glad you said that about the the wife because I'm like I know I've seen her in something and that's what it was Gotham. But but seeing the family in the church, I did notice when I was watching when they would have scenes where they were they were you know they were in church and everything that they didn't have a lot of people in that church. They didn't. It wasn't a big congregation you've been a, been to a pentecostal church before yes okay so you know it doesn't have to be a lot of people no. they move around they do a lot and what i think makes sense from a storytelling perspective is if you know at the end of your story you have to have the singer out front singing with the church choir getting up dancing mm-hmm. that makes a lot more sense in a catholic church so i bet you if anything that was a choice of historicity versus storytelling and this makes more sense that's my guess i was but. half expecting it to be santeria <laughs> that would have actually it's just not in a church but sense, it's a whole that would have made know, more sense more chickens blessing. chickens chicken blessing being waved all can around I, can i still get a chicken blessing sure. can i sign up for that and that, sure. and that was a thing is uh baz sure lerman baz lerman's apparently known for just can't laugh about it debating i'm not gonna laugh, <laughs> I'm not gonna laugh. <laughs> baz lerman's no, known of known for having debates with his actors on how a character will develop Mm -hmm. and how a character, like how things should transpire. So he literally will go up to his actors and be like, so um, how do you think Papa Fuerte would react in this situation? Well, Lerman is such a visual and sort of, he, I mean, he's like almost a music video director and yes. So he's very it's very visual, it's very music driven. I was most appreciative of reading about Grandmaster Flash and how much he had an involvement cuz he's still alive and how much he had an involvement in his his the guy who played him mm-hmm. and that whole relationship and how much that affected the story too, which that is great because he is a figure right in the center of this whole at least the hip hop side of it. And so I'm really appreciative that he was involved. Pause. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I realize now that both of you are really kind of, you're really tipsy and you're all over the place and we haven't given Girl, the synopsis <laughs> of, no, just so let me, okay, I'll, I'll give the synopsis. Okay. So the get down is about two star cross lovers, both with amazing talents in different areas. Uh, Zeke, Ezekiel is incredibly smart, is a poet. Wants to do something with his life, but you're, he's not really sure what. Mylene is the love of his life. He's loved her forever. She's incredibly talented. She is um, a singer and wants to be this disco star. Uh, and we see her friends and Zeke's friends kind of navigate the Bronx during this really pivotal and transformative time in New York City in general. Uh, and on top of that, you have, you know, the drug dealers, you have this emerging new genre of like hip hop and rap when disco is dying out, but people don't know it yet. You have, you know, urban city planning and, and people trying to come in and, and, and manipulate people and use people to, to garner more money, all with this sort of like in the streets, battling it out, however the case may be. And all of these sort of like, uh, stories and lead-ins culminate into these kids just trying to survive. I think that sums it up nicely, Oral. Yes. 
And that's all we have. No, no, seriously. <laughs> and episode over. No, Bye. we 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 agree. I mean, that's that's the story. But what I think sells this so much is Bosler sound effects. No, well, that's true. Actually, when you no. told me about it, you're like, think Enter the Dragon plus. I didn't say Enter the you, Dragon. You said Bruce Lee. No, I didn't. What I you, said. Please was, tell what you said. Okay. <laughs> think fame. Okay. And the last dragon, as in the Motown, the Barry Gordon's last oh, dragon. There you go. I missed. Okay, yeah. I took that the wrong way. Yeah. Meets New Jack City. And that's what the get down is. Totally is. I don't think I ever saw New Jack City. Actually. It's really good. <laughs> but it's, go back and watch it's from, it, but you, you get more of that feel from, from the side of, from Ezekiel's kind of storyline, especially when they introduce Shaolin, DJ Shaolin Fantastic. With the way, like, he's almost kind of got this slightly parkour sort of way of getting around. Ridiculously he's, parkour. Which yeah. is the last dragon part, yeah. Yeah. Or, so, or Enter the Dragon. So you've got, so you've got all, you've got all this stuff and you've got his storyline that kind of intersects with Ezekiel's and you've got, so you're right, you've got Ezekiel's friends, you've got my Lee's friends, but it's like my Lee's side of things feels very different from Ezekiel's side of things. So what it's I really also- amount of, about what whatever you're picking, which part of the story you like more. I also appreciate the fact, from the music industry perspective, the Moreno story, as much as that era was coked out crazy, yep. they get into what makes a disco hit and the layering and the multi-track recording, which is an absolute fact. That was a production quality that was amped way up in that era. We, even if you had people from all over the place and then you just kept layering, 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 strings, vocals, more vocals, more strings, all of that. And then the, the gay culture, this is the bring mm-hmm. it back to our kind of core audience. The gay culture, the gay clubs were the tastemakers of that era, if not still. I mean, Let's be real, still. Still. But like, I, I was just sad that that was such a dumbed down part of the six part series. Like, I was hoping for more of that. Because it it brought such a life and a a vibrance to the story yeah. that I would like to have seen it interjected a little bit more. Which is why you know the the get down is done in two parts. So we've got the first part, the second part is coming, and that should finish it out. And I'm hoping that's what we're getting yeah. in the second part because yeah, but the talk of the second part is more of the eighties, the eighties, yeah. so the fall of of disco and all that. It'll be interesting to see how that's put into play mm-hmm. in that second part. But you're you're right. Like once and that's not just us. Like it was just this whole different like underground. So we already have this underground like movement that we're we're digging into. But like disco and early hip hop were they had a they had a lot in common. Sure. No, they're hand in hand. Uh-huh. And and to see like the underground party that's members only. I'm like, this is Paris is burning. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and it was, su- it was it's even the Paris even the burning. song that they choose uh was like the mu- uh, the messages in the music or the, the music is in the message. I can't remember the title. The, the Marshall McLuhan there was, song. Well, there was there was the two like at the party they were playing was it um telepathy. No, it's before telepathy. Was, yeah, there was there's a song before telepathy and then there was one of the main characters' songs Set Me Free. And it, there was a nice flow. There was a really nice flow to it, um, especially since that was one of the character, one of the characters who's very rebel driven. And at one point, 
you know, one of three of the characters are brothers and they're sitting there talking about like how they're going to get called in trouble. Love is the message. That's what there it is. Love is the message. Okay. They're talking about how they're going to get in trouble. And he's like, well, you're a rebel. So you need to rebel. And he's just like, well, fuck. So it's, it's one of those things where especially, um, was it Jack Moreno's character or Jack Moreno is, is talking about how, you know, the, the, the homosexual community are the trendsetters. They're the rebels. They're the things that are up front in the news and they're the ones that make all that culture happen. Right. You know, you have, you have to impress them. You have to get your song to them. It was that I, I, I actually really liked that little touch on it. I wish they, I wish they had done more. I was, I was pleased they had drag queens, they had voguing, they had, they had all of like the Paris is burning touches mm. and they wove it into the greater story. But what I actually took away is that moment, is it room, not roomy, what was, uh, dizzy, Mara, dizzy. Mm. The, his, his experience in a gay bar for the very first time in mm. that culture. And I wouldn't ecstasy. even call it a gay bar. You're right. It's, it's just, not a gay it, bar back then. It is then. literally an underground party. That was very. Re- hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Reminiscent of my, maybe not first experience, but one of my early experiences in a gay club. Not Christina was, Aguilera was Christina a drag queen. Aguilera, Quaaludes, the whole thing. No, I mean, <laughs> just, just something about that overwhelming sense of there's so much going on. The overstimulation. The overstimulation and the boundary transgression that I may have had in my head. All of that to me was very reminiscent of my first, like a major whatever gay bar, probably part of the house experience. Like that felt genuine and authentic and earned. And the fact that it played such a transformative moment in the story, progressing Mylene and her whole family's, you know, uh, music career mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like that was really cool that they wove all that together. To me, the, the get down is like the, it's like a modern myth making of, of of what happened in the 70s with hip-hop and disco. And that's very important because we have so much of other musical eras, of other cultures. We don't have this until now. And so I'm really, really, as a musicologist, as someone who studies this and who's interested, this is important. This is really big. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very thrilled that like Ed Pisker and, and Grandmaster Flash were involved in this, Nas, like people who actually have a valid perspective on this were involved and I'm thrilled there's a second part because honestly the end of the first season was like what? Like I, I knew it was going to be a second season I assumed they knew when they were going into this 
But did you guys agree that the sort of wrap up of that last episode felt very like to be continued dot dot dot? Which I think is fine because we've gotten clips of that when we see Bucks, who also known as Zeke, also known as Ezekiel, right? Is the is narrator is yeah? He's giving us all this sort of like Greek chorus yeah, stuff yeah. where he's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, this was my life. This is how rough it was. These are who uh, the people who I surrounded myself with." My my main partner in crime was Shallon Fantastic, who we know isn't going to end up with a happy ending because when you sling no. drugs, yep. That was uh, P.S. Fat Annie is one of my favorite characters. I love her because yep. she's just you know it, it. That's what that story needs. It needs that element of just like you know exploitive uh, exploitation sort of like film history. It kind of mm-hmm. grounds it, and yep. we got a dash of the warriors. Where we yes. were in Apache territory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it it seems like this is like a larger story, and we just hit this sort of pause. We're at the intermission, okay. So I don't necessarily dislike the fact that they left us and wrapped up the way that they did because I knew going in, especially when you look at the the episode titles, part one. Episode five. Like, oh, I didn't see that. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. It's basically it's like it, we talk about season two, but it's really the second so, part okay. of this first season or this yeah. story. That's it's good. very the way you describe it is a um, is intermission. Yeah, works really well because you have a lot of people that are also involved with Hamilton that are involved in this show as well, mm-hmm. including David Diggs, who is the narrator. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. which actually is one of my favorite parts. Partially because his uh, his rhymes are all done by Nas. Yep. Mm-hmm. So at first, I actually had to look it up because I thought it was Nas that was doing the narration. Because the way that it's done and the way it sounds, it's 100% Nas. It is absolutely, absolutely Nas written all over it. Um, but Dibby Diggs does a great job as a narrator turning those, those rhymes into... Um, kind of the the greek chorus that's giving you this outside perspective in a flashback and getting to this point that last episode ends lights come up all right we all get to go get refreshments go to the bathroom and then you know next year when they bring back the rest of it lights start flickering we make our way back to our seats and we get the rest of the story and and the thing is it's it's they're not they're not treating people like they don't know their history or they can't look it up on Google. You know, you know, the disco era is four years from ending. Yeah. You, you know, all sorts of shit's about to happen. So they're, they're giving you this moment of reprieve on a good note. Right. Like yeah. everybody who, who pretty much stepped up and said that they can do all the things they have promised to do, they're handling their shit. You know, Disco Fantastics handling being a part of being a part of Fat Annie's family. He's being a DJ. Shalin, sorry, <laughs> Shalin Fantastic is standing up. You know, being a part of Fat Annie's family, drug dealing, being a DJ. Uh, Ezekiel's doing the internship. Ooh, which also another Mr. Robot alumni, the guy who played Gideon. Yes, he is the uh, executive, the, the the white dude with the crazy like uh, punk daughter mm-hmm. at the dinner. That's Gideon, and I love Gideon and Mr. Robot. I'm really glad he was in that show as well. They 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 did a really good job with the yeah. casting, but it was it was just that that ending. Everybody is setting up yeah. their path. It makes sense as a intermission. I I didn't realize that part one was there. I missed mm-hmm. that completely. 
So I'm really glad that that was from the plan all along. And I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I'm assuming because in the first two or three episodes, you get somebody performing on stage now. Yeah. You 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 get a flash forward. I think that's of, supposed that's to be Ezekiel. That's, that's, that's supposed to be Ezekiel, yeah. and you notice he's up on that stage alone. Yeah. Oh well, so, well, no, everybody died. Yeah. Like and and you know the thing that I I love most about this besides the fact that there are nothing but different shades of brown people all over the place. Yep. Um, it's that you know when Mylene starts to make it, she doesn't forget her her best friends, her girlfriends. Who aren't just these throwaway characters, just like the boys aren't these throwaway characters. Like they're integral to, to creating, you know, our two leads mm-hmm. and who they are. Technically, I would say three leads with, with Shaolin, mm-hmm. but you know, we see these people kind of orbit around them. And, 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 you know, Mylene, of course that she, you know, instead of her being like this solo group, they make her to be out the, they make her and her friends to, to be like the seventies, like younger Supremes. Mm-hmm. Like that's who it is. But if you know anything about girl groups and like the period towards the end of the seventies and the beginning of the eighties, they've got a tough road to hoe. Yeah. And you know, it's not going to end well for all of them. And you know, anytime, um, we see older books, uh, talk about my lane, he gets really upset. And I'm just like, and I've, I've been trying to make, piece with they're gonna fridge her but i don't think they they're going to like she may fall from grace but i think she just you know this is my life i I don't want this anymore i you know this is a path i've chosen and that doesn't include you anymore and And i feel like they're setting that up because of uh books taking that path and even um older books at the narration towards the end of that last episode talks about that mm-hmm. having to make peace with choosing a different path they've committed to um staying together and and basically ruling the world together and now she's gonna do this one thing that's what what their plan was yeah and now he's banging a hard right because he sees that he has the ability to make a difference for his community yeah. so he knows that they've they've had this conversation and they're going to go down this path together but now he knows that that's not the same path that he's going to be on so i see them setting that up already to be where eventually it's going to either cause friction or whatever the case is going to be that they're not going to be together at the end of it yeah and and it's it's cool to you know like i said like my mother is from new york most of my family is still up there like having that heritage and seeing like those those bits of pieces that i've always heard from people who lived through it like, I know that Ed Koch did really great things for New York as a whole, but there were a whole lot of issues that came with them. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the marginalization, the war on drugs that just got out of control, you know, the introduction of... Because, you know, to, up until this point, all we have is cocaine, but crack is around the corner, mm-hmm. and it's literally going to set everything on fire. Yeah. And it's it's cool to see... Like New York go through these like transformative growing pains and how that reflects on these characters and what that means going forward. I think that's what I think I'm most excited about. It's not just that Jaden Smith did like a pretty decent job portraying this like sort of out there character. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I told a friend of mine, you are this character. When you watch this series, you are this character hands down. 
he came back to me, afro and all. He's like, yep, that's me. That's <laughs> me. And you're supposed to love me. And you know who you are. But you choose, you choose <laughs> to make us both miserable with your heterosexuality. And I need you to keep that in, Pat. I need you to keep that in. Oh. I'm calling you out and you know who you are. Um, probably. But... <laughs> But it's just, it's really, I think this is so well done. And I will say this is not for everyone. And even, even I have my issues where, you know, sometimes the, the Mylene parts kind of drag and that's nothing against like the actress because she does a great job. It's just, it's just this awkward part in this story. What about the Jackie Moreno parts where he is basically getting raped? Sort of. You know what? Love that. I, I really like that character because it shows you, you know, warts and all. Record producer <laughs> really made this meteoric talented rise. Talented musician. Mm-hmm. Talented musician and then just fell to pieces because yeah. what? Not even just Coke. Smack. Oh, Coke yeah, smack. Right. Bad karma. Because um, I, I lived for every moment he would walk up to somebody from his past and they'd be like, oh, good to see you, Jackie. Fuck off. Yeah, like, no, seriously, there was some good comeuppance. Yeah. That. It was great. Because, again, that era is that's 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 a story. That's a very common story. No, Pat, yeah. I'm not going to lie. As someone who knows music like inside and out, when he was like going through the creative process, a.k.a. his his spiraling and his binge. <laughs> Um, and he showed up. I'm like, oh, like that subway scene where he's like, I think he's got it. And then he shows up oh. to show Papa Fuerte and he ain't got it. He's just oh. playing the same like six chords over and over again. I'm like, they're going to kill this man. They're going to kill this man. Yeah. It, it seemed like they were setting it up for a, um, a miracle save when the girls were, uh, singing I'll be there on the, mm-hmm. the subway because he comes to a little bit and you're just like, all right, it's gonna be some some spinoff of this, and I love how it all came together, though. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that was transformative. I was like, he's pulling this way out of his. Well, ass. well, the way he like the way he involved her family and oh, and, was... and her crazy, super overly religious father. Uh huh. Like, just it was, it was like one of those moments where you're like, all right, Jackie, you fucked up a lot of shit. I need you to have a win. Even though it's not real, like nothing, and it was funny because nothing actually felt like a win for him. Right. It was just him keeping his shit yep. barely together, mm-hmm. spinning those plates. Yep. Spinning those plates. Yep. But I think overall, what I think is this series' strongest attribute is that the characters are the characters, and mm-hmm. they don't change because you want them to change. Like, you know, Jackie, even though he got through this, is still a fucking mess. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, the sad part is I don't think many of them changed at all. No. It's no. really yeah. everybody is just kind of on the same the same path and the same level. Things may have, be working out in certain favors mm-hmm. for certain people, but you don't have any redemptions. You don't have any, you know, the only one that maybe you see a bit of a change is uh, Mylene's father. And that's only because all of his demons get dragged out of the closet <laughs> and are laid out in front of him. Mm-hmm. And that's what leads into um, the song, you know, uh, Jackie's big brainstorm. But mm-hmm. even then, he he's a little bit more tolerant of what has to happen. Yeah. But isn't like he's not which fully not accepting happened. of it. Yeah. Which Which let me tell you this. 1977 Pentecostal is not going to be okay 
with his daughter singing for the gays. I'm no, I'm just throwing no, that out there. Right, you're right. I, and that this is someone who did a stint in a Pentecostal church. That ain't happening. No. But I super I super loved it. Thought it was awesome. Um, I was sad that it was only six uh, episodes, even though the first one was super long. Uh, I'm I know that I'm gonna watch it again before uh, the second half comes out because I think it's just it's great and it's lovely and it has all these elements that just mesh so well together and I'm excited. I think I think my favorite I think my favorite thing overall was the you have every time you have Miley. And Shaolin Fantastic bump heads. Shaolin's the master that we call conductor. Because Shaolin Fantastic, the bad mother. How many um, times did they do that? <laughs> but it works because it it that's good. the Apache. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. and and it was one of those things where like like when when they get to the get down part of Miley's song and he takes the crayon and he starts scratching her records and she doesn't fundamentally understand what they're doing. And then later in that same episode, she actually gets up that she actually gets to the, gets to the dance Mm -hmm. and sees them on stage. And she's like, Oh shit, this shit's fly. And, and it was, it was one of those moments where all the, all the characters at that moment are all working. Every, everything is good Which, as a dramatic like the story arc usually that's the opposite of what happens yes. in the midpoint the midpoint is with everybody is that they're like low oh shit the empire is winning oh my god things no, but, are going bad but no but that's the thing the empire is winning shallon's dealing drugs to nope. all the people okay. who right. he and wants murdering. adoration for and murder and murder plus you have you know ezekiel, ezekiel who's going out. to sell people down the river, uh-huh. papers and all, and you know, you know that Mylene's group isn't going to fare very well because while they've got, like, they're very not just streetwise, but they're very aware of what's going on around them. You know that as as present as they are, those like disco, especially in the death throws, is so cutthroat. That it's not it's not going to end well. You know, my Lee's going to change. That's N- not necessarily. But you you have an inkling that she's going to change, but you know that the industry will change around her, right. and she may not be able to adapt. Right. And that's where the danger really comes. Yeah, well, we we think everybody's at a high, but really, you don't. They don't see that they are at a low, and that it. The bottom is about to fall out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's a yeah, you you see, yeah. we see, if you just just look at where they're at and what their accolades are right this second, aside from Shaolin dealing drugs and shooting the guy, um, but you know, coming off the DJ battle, doing all that, you think that there's all of these like they're on top of the world, and they're not. You yeah. know, they they're much different and better things that they could be doing to be better off in their lives. Some of them are. I mean, and that's the thing, that, and that's a little bit of the sadder thing is that you have some of the characters are on a high. You've got, you, you know, you've got Dizzy who's finding himself. You've got Ra Ra and Boo who are like, oh hey, we do have a talent for something. You know, you've got all these side characters that are going up, right? But it's when the bottom comes experience out, experience versus the audience and the viewer, like they know what's coming. Uh huh. I got you. So it's 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 one of those things that's where like like. Ezekiel is Ezekiel Shallon, um, Shallon Fantastic, 
and even Miley to a degree, and even her uncle, Papa Fuerte, and her mother. There's like, oh, yeah, there's the a thing, thing there. So there's all these people that are pretty much like, okay, things are all right. You know, they're about to drag a whole bunch of people down with them. Yeah. And that shit's not going to be pretty. Which is interesting. And that makes the second season even more exciting. And that, yeah, that's so what I'm, I'm I think I'm we all, for the downfall. all really enjoyed the show, obviously. To some extent, more than less, you know, like we, like I liked it. I liked the little bits of uh, Bruce Lee kind of elements. I you know, know how to read my mind. <laughs> it's the only like. Let's be real. Christina was actually relevant for a good solid Aww. two and a half weeks. It was good. It was fun. It's a good song. It is a good song. And that's the thing. The music, the music alone, like really I, strong. I enjoyed it. Like it didn't seem like, you know, smash or. Nashville, where it's just like there are these songs. Even and you know, I will throw I will throw in Empire to it, where you have these songs that you know it's a it's a smash hit. No, it's not. This song is trash. <laughs> but you know, like Mylene's song, Mylene's song oh, is actually really good. Yes, set me free was you know really good job. Fantastic. The the battle for the get down against the Herculoids. Yep. Really good. Even the Herculoids are very good. And that's, you know, I, I love the attention to detail that it comes to, you know, the soundtrack and, and the lyrics and, you know, the influences going on at this time. Because if done wrong, it, it totally takes you out of yes. this, mm-hmm. this genre, this era that we're in. And we all know so well because who hasn't heard, you know... The Village People and Disco Duck and oh, Donna Summer. They even referenced Def- Disco Duck. Disco there, Biscuit? You know? What? Disco Biscuit. No, the only thing, the Christina song is almost pitch perfect, but there is a touch of modern in it, in the way mm-hmm. they realize that that almost pulls you out. It, and here's why. Because Real what? Close. The gays are sickening and ahead of the curve. There we go. Yep. There you go. That explains it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Alyssa. How? Thank you. You? <laughs> I got to carry it for you here. <laughs> well, if you have any other shows you would like us to gl- gloriously deconstruct and riff on and make fun of or praise, please let us know on our Facebook, Flame On Show, our Twitter, Flame On Podcast, and you can email us all at flameonshow.com. We also have a Patreon, and this is, again, Ron... Uh, we love you, Ron. I know you're coming to Orlando soon. You, you better hit us all up. Is he? He is. Uh, but thank you for our Patreon subscribers, all of you. Uh, but Ron also specifically gave us this suggestion, even though we were already going to do it, which we appreciate it. Um, and, and it really did make uh, the alcohol uh, flow more than it normally does. So if you like this stuff, please like and review us on, on uh, iTunes. SoundCloud, Stitcher, all your other favorite podcast destinations. And remember, if you don't get enough oral in your life, you can totally follow me on Stupid Popcast, and you can read all of my comic book reviews. They drop multiple times a week on SciFiPulse.net, because what? .nets are still cool. (laughs) (laughs) Do they do that throughout the week? Uh, Yeah, they, like, uh, I write a bunch of reviews, and we space them out. Yeah. um okay yeah i'm well, the duchess of dorks so come on everyone duchess i need some door is that really i'm title? the duchess of dorks yeah okay. i want to make a costume in my bio that i need to have put up on the website well we owe bj a, a bio on the website too we haven't forgotten um the other thing is new york comic-con is coming up i think this comes out before 
So if you are in the New York area on the 4th of October, we'll be at the Rock Bar at 8 o'clock for New York Comic Con Presents Fan Feud. Pat and I will be there with Ariel Italic, Joshua Yale from IGN and formerly Flame on Fame. Tell that bitch I said hey. I will. And our special guest, Ophira Eisenberg from NPR's Ask Me Another Quiz Show. Ooh. I... I mean, Pat is very excited. That's I'm a also, big get. I'm also very excited because not only is she going to be on the show, which she has been before, we're going to be asking quizzes of her. And I don't think that that that's pretty intimidating, <laughs> to be quite honest. And then we get to go drink with her later. That's really it, I think it's all started out as let's get drinks. And then it turned into, hey, we're doing the show. Come on. And yeah. she's like. Yeah, Ophira is fierce and a lovely person. So please, if you're in New York, you're not going to want to miss it. It's a five dollar donation at the door to the One Orlando fl- uh, Fund, not Flund, for uh, Pulse for Pulse victims. So we are raising raising money. Uh, thank you, New York Comic Con, for letting us do this. And please come check us out. And uh, I think that's it. So flame off. The get down. Thanks for listening to Flame On, presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. Flame On was created by Brian Pittard and is engineered by Pat O'Rourke. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programs, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Flame On on all your favorite social networks. Follow us at Flame On Podcast on Twitter and Flame On Show on Facebook, Tumblr, and all your favorite gay hookup apps. If it's gay and geeky, we've got you covered. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.